appropriate here on this, uh, this Labor Day weekend, as we're celebrating, for us to also talk about retirement, okay? I want to know, what are your dreams for retirement? So whether, no matter what age you are, I want you just to imagine a time when you are retired, okay? Who, who here is actually retired? Raise your hand if you're actually retired. Okay, a good chunk. You guys don't even have to imagine, right? You're just living the dream, yeah. Who here, a uh, follow-up question, who here wishes they were retired? Okay, everybody's gonna, not everybody, okay, wow. Yeah. Now, I, I want you to think here, um, what is your dream for your retirement years? What is your dream for your retirement years? So whether you are looking forward desperately to the day when you will be retired, or whether you're already retired and you're thinking, well, it hasn't gone quite according to my hopes and dreams yet, but over the next few years, I hope to incorporate some of these things. You know, what are, what are you guys thinking of? Hmm, retirement. I can probably read some of your minds. Anybody, anybody want to travel a lot in retirement? Nobody? Okay. Cleveland's pretty cool, I guess. I, I would like to get out of here every once in a while, maybe, yeah. Um, anybody, you know, just want to have some more leisure time? Maybe start a new hobby or something? Things that you thought, think, maybe I, if I had some more time, I'd do that, yeah. Had somebody last night at, at our Saturday worship service, they said, my dream of retirement is to not have to set an alarm clock. I said, do you want to borrow my children? You don't need one when you have them. You know, they'll wake you up at... 545, whatever, yeah. Maybe, you know, having a slower pace, spending more time with grandkids, you know. Lots of good things uh, to think about. Now, this is always an interesting thing to think about from, uh, from a Christian perspective because, yeah, we may retire, like, from our day job or something someday, hopefully, right, someday. Uh, but we don't retire from all aspects of our life just when we hit a certain age, right? Like nobody is retiring from being a Christian, right? It's not like, well, I followed Jesus for a long time. I'm stopping that now. I'm not gonna serve him anymore. I'm not gonna be faithful to him anymore. Um, you know, these are things, we, we may wonder about this though, you know, like, oh, once I get to a certain age, or maybe there's just a certain stage of my life, whenever, whatever age that might be, where I'm thinking, I don't know, am I still useful to God? Is he able to use me for his purposes? What do I bring to the table, you know, for God? Am I just done? Is God, is God done with me? We might, these things might kind of dart across our minds sometimes, no matter what age we are. Well, we're going to talk about Polycarp here today. Um, my phone's not advancing the slides. I don't know, it's turned on me. It's retired my phone is retired. I guess I need a new one. I'll tell my wife later. Um, so if we, if we can go just ahead a couple slides there. So we've got uh, St. Polycarp of Smyrna, the sinful saint of the week. And this guy did not retire. He did not have just a nice, peaceful, leisurely, you know, he's, he didn't take up pickleball in his retirement or something. Um, God used him to the very end. And we're going to talk about that, but I think he is an example for all of us. Now, I can already hear some of you guys. You're thinking this way too loudly. You're thinking, Pastor, I've never heard of this person before. He's not in the Bible. 
He lived and died a long, long time ago. If I haven't heard of him by now, why should I care, okay? To which I would say, shame on you for even thinking that in church. Uh, but it is a fair question. The, the burden is maybe on me today to make you, th- to make you care about Polycarp, St. Polycarp of Smyrna. I'm gonna try to do that because I have uh, done a lot of research on this guy and learned a lot of, I think, impactful things, um, things from his life that are an encouragement uh, for me personally and I think are worth knowing for the people of God here at St. Paul. So number one reason, uh, the first reason why should I care about Polycarp is he is a model of someone who treasured God's word and who kept this disciple-making process going, okay? We, we all like to have uh, role models, right? Whether they've been dead for 1,900 years or not, um, but people we can look up to and kind of learn from. And so Polycarp is one who just, he treasured the word of God and he kept that, you know, Jesus is uh, setting up this disciple-making process and Polycarp kept it going. In fact, Polycarp was born not that long after Jesus lived and died and rose again. He was born in 69 AD. So that's a long time ago, folks. Um, And he was born at a time where he, he was sort of like the bridge between like the New Testament era and the, the era of the early church. That's trying to make sense of things now that Jesus is gone. Um, Jesus is still directing things, right? But he's, but he's up in heaven now. And so Polycarp's kind of like this bridge. Polycarp was a disciple of St. John. You guys heard of him before? The guy who wrote the gospel, one of the disciples of Jesus? So Polycarp gets to sit and learn from John who learned directly from Jesus. I think learning from John would maybe be second to only uh, learning from Jesus directly. So Polycarp has this wonderful blessing. And then Polycarp passes the faith. He's, he's not breaking the chain, right? He's passing the faith on to other um, church fathers, you know, in the early church. Like there's a guy named Irenaeus, uh, Maybe you've never heard of him either, that's okay. But Irenaeus learned from Polycarp, and he was an influential early church uh, father who was like fighting against these heretics called the Gnostics. Maybe you've heard of them. So Polycarp is kind of, again, this bridge. He's doing what every disciple of Jesus ought to be doing, right? You're being discipled, and you're making disciples. You're passing on the faith. Now, Polycarp, uh, as we said, he was the bishop of Smyrna, means he, he was kind of overseeing the churches in that region. And it was kind of, you might imagine, kind of difficult maybe to travel around physically to all the churches back then. And they didn't have Zoom or anything where he could, you know, come up with these conference calls. So he would write letters. You know, we, we see this with Paul, right? All, half of our New Testament is Paul writing letters to other churches in the area. And so Polycarp did this. And we have a letter that he wrote to the Philippians. And he wrote, this is a pretty short letter. It's kind of on par with one of like Paul's shorter ones. There's maybe like, I don't know, a hundred verses or something in this letter. And 60 of the verses, so over half of this letter is just straight up quotations from the Bible. Some of you teachers are thinking, wow, wow, plagiarism. How dare he, you know? Come up with some original material, Polycarp. Uh, But I think He's trying to teach, you know, what is valuable for us going forward in the first couple generations after Jesus, what's valuable for us to read and, and think about and meditate upon. It's the scriptures, 
It's the words of Jesus. It's the words of Paul and John and Peter. And so Polycarp is like, yeah, I'm going to write you a little bit of new stuff, you know, new stuff, um, but I'm just going to echo the words of God because that's the most precious thing that we have. So Polycarp is, uh, is showing us this. He's a model for us in this way. Now, why else should I care about Polycarp? Maybe you guys aren't convinced yet. Well, number two, the second reason is his life shows that God is never done with you. He's never done with you. Now, Polycarp, if he had died quietly, peacefully, surrounded by friends and family at the age of 86, God still would have welcomed him into eternity by saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you don't have to have a life or even an ending to your life worthy of making a movie about to have a meaningful impact on the kingdom of God here in this world. Uh, but it just so happens that God did not appoint for Polycarp to have a quiet, peaceful end to his life. So Polycarp, uh, he's an elderly man living in his you know, retirement years, so to speak, but God is still using him. And uh, you know, it's possible, I, I'm just tr trying to think about you know, maybe what Polycarp expected. It, it, the thought may have crossed his mind, you know, well, God's probably done with me. I don't know what else I can contribute to his work. I don't know, maybe I'm done. Maybe I really can retire. You know, maybe he's thinking, I don't know if I have any usefulness left. Uh, maybe we've thought the same thing as well. But Polycarp supposedly had a dream where God revealed to him that he would die uh, by being executed by the Romans for confessing his faith in Christ. If I were Polycarp, I probably would have thought, God, haven't I done enough already? Can't I just live out my final days in peace? You're going to ask this of me too? This is too much. Would have been a legitimate thing for him to think, probably. But, but you and I both know, even before going into the whole story yet, you guys, you guys know that's not what he said. That was not his response. So what was his response? Well, the Romans were after him. You know, this is the, in the early days of Christianity in the Roman Empire, uh, the persecution kind of ebbed and flowed that Christians faced, maybe it depended on the emperor at the time. And so sometimes, you know, maybe in the best of times, Christianity was considered kind of like this strange cult that maybe we should put some more restrictions on. Um, but at the worst of times, they were just rounding up Christians and killing them because they were a danger to society. And that was more, that was the era in which Polycarp lived at the end. It was, it was a real dangerous time to be a Christian. So the Romans were seeking him. This old man, they were seeking him, and they found some people that knew where he was, and they tortured them, and they gave up his location, and, and they, they seized him, and they brought him to a stadium, and they started selling tickets for people to come in and watch this guy get what he deserved, right, for being this crazy, heretical Christian. Now, the Romans, though, they were kind of nice. They would give you a chance to renounce your faith in Christ and offer a sacrifice to their emperor. Okay, and yeah, it's nice of them to give you that option, right? And so uh, Polycarp had this option. 
And I, I think it's, here it's worth reading a little section from this ancient document that was written shortly after the end of Polycarp's life. It's, it's called The Martyrdom of Polycarp. You know, spoiler alert. This is what it says. When then he, Polycarp, was brought before the proconsul, uh, he asked whether he were the man, and on his confessing that he was, the proconsul tried to persuade him to a denial, saying, have respect to your age, and swear by the genius of Caesar. Repent and say, away with the atheists. Okay, I've got to have a time out here for a second. Um, the Romans call, they referred to the Christians as atheists. Okay, that sounds a little backwards to us right now. So they're telling Polycarp to renounce Christ and all of his fellow believers. You know, away with the atheists. Say that, Polycarp, and then we'll know that you're you know, not guilty of the crime of being a Christian. So Polycarp, with solemn countenance, looked upon the whole multitude of lawless heathen that were in the stadium and waved his hand to them and said, away with the atheists. He said what they told him to say. Not really, though. This was not what they were hoping or expecting him to say, maybe. Then Polycarp said, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And then he was burned at the stake. Legend has it that the Flames didn't even consume him. We don't know for sure. I wasn't there. But then they, they killed him with a spear. And they wouldn't even, some of his followers were there, and they wouldn't even give them his body so that they could bury him. God was not done with Polycarp at the age of 86. He was not done with him. And he used this bold confession and death to encourage and embolden other Christians for their own confession of Christ in the dangerous time under the Romans. You know, Polycarp was not so old that God, you know, couldn't have him serve still. It wasn't like Polycarp had hit his quota of good works that God had prepared for him to do in advance, and now, oh, nope, you're done. God's going to just, like, kick us to the curb or something. That is not what he did with Polycarp. Polycarp's story was still being written. It was still right there included in the story of salvation that God had for this world, and in particular for his son, Polycarp. At this point, I, I'm reminded of one of my favorite verses. It's up there on the screen. Philippians 1, verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paraphrased, that says, God is never done with you. This is comforting for me in a couple of ways. One is I hear this and I say, phew, I'm not, I'm not a finished product. Sometimes I, do you guys wonder that? Like, why aren't I a better Christian at this point? I think about that uh, daily. God's not done with me. Okay, he's still working in me. But I'm also comforted to know that he's still working through me. He's still working through all of you as well. Your story is not over yet. It's still being written. Who knows what kind of faithfulness God is leading you into as the chapters of your life 
are continuing to unfold. God is never done with you, whether it's like in a big, bold, public way, like an 86-year-old martyr, or whether it's more of a behind-the-scenes kind of a way at whatever age you are. God is still working in you and through you. Now, one more, number three here, another, I'm just gonna, just, just gonna try to overstate my case maybe of why he's important. There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. This verse is not specifically about Polycarp, uh, but also it is, right? This verse could apply to Polycarp. This verse could apply to any one of us, of God's people. Through our faith, though we will die someday, our faith will still speak, even when we're gone. And this, this is true for Polycarp. His voice did not stop speaking once the Romans killed him. Oh, no, it did not. His faith still speaks. And you could say that the early church would never be the same after witnessing Polycarp's bold witness of Christ. Never be the same. His confession and his death uh, served to encourage other people, either you know, right then or even those of us now who have come after it shows us that, yeah, even if we die, God will raise us up, just as he raised up Jesus, just as he's raising up Polycarp. He will raise us up, and he will give us the crown of life. Now, Polycarp, any guesses on what that name means, the name Polycarp? I'll be so impressed. It doesn't mean anything, it doesn't have anything to do with fish. Yeah. Poly, like much or many, carp is actually the Greek word for fruit. It means much fruit, okay? Now I'm thinking, polycarp did bear much fruit. Fruit of the Spirit is, is the kind of fruit I'm thinking of. But through his life, through his death, even after his death, God is still bearing fruit through polycarp. I mean, we're talking about him right now, halfway around the world from where he lived, 2,000 years later, here in Westlake, Ohio, Polycarp is still speaking through his faith today. And uh, we know that he was actually the first uh, non-biblical saint to be recognized by the early church. And they would go to his memorial every year, and they would commemorate his death and be encouraged all over again at his confession of faith, even all the way to death. Now, certainly Polycarp uh, was a faithful servant of Christ to the end, uh, but he would be the first one to say that his death, as dramatic and faithful as it was, was not sufficient to save him. His death did not earn him his salvation. I mean, he's, he's in a sermon series called Stories of Sinful Saints, after all, right, folks? There is no life, there is no death that is sufficient to save any of us except for the one, and that is the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. He who was also faithful 
unto death to the mission that God gave to him, he who was also put to death by the Romans because they didn't like his own confession of what his identity was, Jesus who was raised and now is holding a crown of life for all those who trust in him. And that's that, that's that line from that letter that Jesus wrote to the church in Smyrna where Polycarp was the bishop. And you'll have to indulge me for a minute. My fanciful vision of Polycarp, this is just, this is totally in my own head. Polycarp sitting in his bishop's office and, uh, you know, he would sometimes pull out a certain desk drawer and that letter from Jesus containing these words it was kind of old and wrinkled and, and he, would, he would read that from time to time be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life these are words that you and I have to reflect upon for our entire life as well we focus on the second part a lot right receive the crown of of life. What a wonderful thing. As we live out this story that God has invited us to be part of, we don't know exactly how it's going to go. And that's that be faithful unto death part. We do not know. Polycarp did not know exactly how his story would go. But I, I invite you this week as you reflect upon the life and death of St. Polycarp that you will think, that you will be receptive to the fact that God is never done with you. It's going to look different in our lives, but he's, you can know full well he is never done with you. Be faithful unto death. And think about, you know, my, my prayer is, and I hope this is your prayer as well, that we're praying to God that, that he keeps writing our story on, you know, through the final chapter. And, and, not, and that, that he doesn't even stop there, that, that there's an epilogue after we're gone where our faith will still speak. We'll have a legacy of faith. Now, just like Polycarp, we didn't know exactly what it would look like, what that be faithful unto death part would look like. But also, just like Polycarp, we know exactly what the end, what is waiting for us at the end. And that is Jesus standing there and handing us the crown of life. That is yours. Be encouraged by Polycarp and be encouraged by these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the, the treasures of these stories of those who have gone before us. Sinful saints like us, we thank you for the life and confession and death of Polycarp. Pray that you will encourage and embolden us to live faithful lives serving and following you all the way until the time where you will give us the crown of life won for us by Jesus. In his name we pray.